Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD podcast. Welcome to the next edition of the NPRD. We are fortunate today to have Dr. Diana Lemley with us. I've known her for a while. She is a physician in internal medicine, peds, and adolescent medicine, specializing in the care of adolescents and adults with eating disorders. She went to medical school at Vanderbilt, residency in med peds at MGH, Mass General Hospital, and a fellowship in adolescent medicine at Children's Hospital Boston. She's been on staff at MGH and Harvard since 2014, providing care for children and adults for over 10 years with the focus on caring for patients of all ages with eating disorders. And what we're excited to hear about from Diana today a couple of different things. She's recently created a new clinic providing specialized medical care for adolescents and adults with eating disorders. And she is like one of the best collaborators ever. I know this for a fact. And she also has begun working with Equip Health, which is virtual eating disorder care. And as well, she's done some research on the capacity of college health services to support youth with chronic medical conditions. That's very cool to me because I worked in college health for 10 years. So Diana, thank you for being on. Oh, Robin, thank you so much for having me. It's really such a privilege and an honor to be able to connect with you um, and talk. So thank you. Yeah. So we share a number of cases. And what I love about Diana, as I said, she is a wonderful, wonderful collaborator and In the Greater Boston Wellness Collaborative, of which I'm a member, she's been a great collaborator and a member on our team for a lot of our patients, which is great. Like, I'd love to hear from you. I think for me, at least, in working with eating disorders, I've never met a more collaborative group in my life of clinicians versus Mm -hmm. working in other areas. But what do you think? I agree. I mean, to be honest, that's the reason that I'm doing this work, or at least one one major reason. Yeah. So meaning that it's really that chance to collaborate with other professionals, um, to think about, you know, patients and different approaches and sort of needing the input from others to be able to really provide help or think about cases in a different way. Um, and so honestly, it was that sort of part of it that kind of kept me wanting to continue yeah. to, to focus. And, and so that's been a, a real driving factor um, in in wanting to, to stay in this field is that collaboration. What else drew you to the field, to the so eating disorder would, part of it? Yeah, yeah. So I would say um, initially we went into adolescent medicine with with certainly some interest in just that transition age. So, you know, was interested in kind of that time between, you know, pediatric care and adult medicine. um, And certainly in fellowship, 
there was you know, a, a focus. We spent a lot of time at Boston Children's caring for patients with eating disorders. It was it was a focus of our fellowship. It was something that I um, enjoyed doing and enjoyed learning about. But I didn't necessarily at that time know that that would be the sort of next continued clinical focus. It was really coming out of fellowship and finding that I started getting referrals of patients um, who needed, you know, needed care, um, both sort of adolescent age, but because I was an adult doctor as well, started getting referrals for adult patients um, who really needed someone that was able to um, have more focus on, you know, the eating disorder and working with their team um, and recognize that there were so few other physicians or doctors that you know, might be able to provide that care. And then really finding that that collaboration um, was so rewarding and working with patients um, in this field, again, can be challenging, but also just incredibly rewarding. And sort of over the next few years, found that that was becoming more and more of a focus that I really enjoyed. Um, And that was sort of how things then transpired over the next few years. In this newer program that you have, this new clinic, what's the breakdown, and obviously not an exact percentage, but what's the breakdown of like adolescents, pediatrics to adults? I'm just curious. I would say really my my range of patient ages is probably from 11 or 12 up through 70s or so. Um, and there may be perhaps um, some increased numbers in the sort of young adult range. Um, but really, um, I think there's, you know, such an, a need for sort of eating disorder expertise and, and focus um, as well for patients um, who are at, you know, middle age or um, older ages. Uh, and so I think that sort of piece is, is also growing. I think it'll continue to grow. I know in my practice, my age range is from, it's been from age 10 to early 70s, maybe a little bit older. And as our population ages, that will continue to grow. So if a patient it is going to be seeing you in the new clinic, you're acting as a consultant eating disorder MD right and yes. do they have to have the 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 if you're familiar with partners healthcare that's the the question is always do they have to have a pcp of partners to come see you no so they do not need to have a pcp um at partners we just need to be able to accept their insurance um, within Mass General Brigham system. Um, But no, I'm happy to see patients that have PCPs outside of our system. And I would say, you know, really it's similar to, so I'm, I'm in adolescent medicine. It's just that I'm able to see older patients. So similar to a pediatrician referring a patient to an adolescent medicine specialist, um, in this case, it can be an adult PCP, you know, referring, um, their patient to see me. Um, and typically 
you know, I'm able then in that sort of initial intake visit to collect obviously a lot of information about where um, things may be at in terms of disordered eating or nutrition concerns, and then really think through sort of head to toe you know, what may be the medical concerns or complications. Think about, um, you know, is it appropriate to be thinking about, you know, certain target weight ranges or working um, again with their team members to, to, you know, be assessing perhaps, you know, there's recommendations for hospitalization or for other levels of care. So that brings me to my next question, which is equip. So I've heard of equip I love the concept and correct me if I'm wrong, but providing virtual eating disorder care in the home for adolescents, which is such a niche, super smart. And just to explain to the listeners, some of which are clinicians, so they already know, but some, some folks are not. So when a person has a team for their eating disorder, it in a perfect world, is made up of their primary care PCP. You would be a consultant eating disorder MD on the team, a therapist, a dietitian, a prescriber, if one of those other folks they were seeing was not also a prescriber, and sometimes, you know, other other folks. But tell us a little bit more about your involvement in EQUIP, because that's really interesting. Um, so I recently uh, joined um, in addition to my work at Mass General, um, and I was drawn to really their mission of, you know, ideally providing care uh, that would be you know, based in the home, but available and accessible to everyone. And so recognizing that eating disorders, again, happen in, you know, just a wide range of families and places and genders and body types and all of the above, and that um, there really are issues with treatment being accessible and affordable for so many people. And so um, in thinking about, again, you know, really valuing the in-person work that I do, but also recognizing that um, it can be hard for so many patients to be able to access evidence-based treatment. Um, And so um, that's, I think, really the goal there is to be able to um, provide that sort of evidence-based, team-based care um, for patients that, you know, may not be able to access um, all of those experts, you know, together in their community in a way that makes it possible. How, like, what's the, you know, geographic range of the folks that you're seeing with Equip? Yeah, so I've just started, um, but Equip is licensed now in 50 states, and they are um, really expanding the insurance coverage as well on a almost you know daily basis. Um, and so that's really the goal is to provide a service that's accessible to to families. Yeah. So in our correspondence ahead of today, we emailed a little bit about what we've already talked about how you got where you are today. And then, you know, one of the things that I like to ask folks is where they see the field going or where they'd like it to go. And what we initially 
wrote about was increasing the training of health professionals regarding eating disorders and weight stigma. And I just wondered if you could speak to that because you've been through all this training. You're double boarded, right? Peds and adolescents. So yeah, actually so, triple, triple if we include peds, adolescents, yeah, adults. Mm-hmm. You're not an overachiever at all, Diana, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right that Despite that, there was really very little training in eating Mm. disorders, even in my pediatrics residency, even in my, especially in my adult internal medicine training. Um, And then of course there's, you know, there is training and a focus in adolescent medicine, but that didn't necessarily prepare me to then go on and, you know, be caring for adult patients. And so, um, I, I just am really struck by the, for, you know, illnesses that are severe and so widespread, um, that there is just such a gap in training of health professionals. And so I'm often seeing patients who, um, you know, really just haven't been, given either appropriate messages or support or certain, you know, complications haven't been identified. Um, And again, it's in most cases, it's not, you know, coming out of um, sort of negative place. It's really coming from just a lack of awareness and a lack of training. I somehow get calls from some of the younger residents at some of the teaching hospitals. I don't know how they got to me, but occasionally I'll get a call and, you know, or an email and an ask around, what do you think about this? And is this an eating disorder? And I had a call not too long ago. uh, This real, this younger resident really impressed me because he had identified an eating disorder in like a 60 ish year old woman and was really trying to make sure she got the best care. Hopefully it's, we can make some shifts. I mean, you're in one of the best, I think it's the best teaching hospital on the planet because I go there and I worked there many years ago and you're also on staff at Harvard. And so not to put the responsibility on you, that's not what I'm saying, but you have this capacity in your role to to try to, I think, make some of these shifts, I I think. Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, I I think um, you're right that trying to sort of chip away some at um, opportunities to work more with residents, um, medical students that are in training, um, increase, you know, some of the materials that are out there and just really try and improve the exposure, um, I think has been so important and definitely a, a focus of continued work, um, but something sort of across the, the system um, that hopefully we can continue to advocate for. So your clinic, is your full-time there in the... No. So okay. Tell me your breakdown. So I'm um, essentially part-time at this point between mm-hmm. uh, my work at Mass General and then the new work with yeah. Equip. 
Um, and so it um, it represents a change in the past uh, month where I have transitioned from my primary care practice. Um, so I had been um, for 10 years in primary care at Mass General um, and really loved taking care of patients across you know, the age spectrum and um, just such a privilege to be connected to, to families. Um, but as I've been growing this focus and work with patients with eating disorders, it really um, became clear that there, you know, needed to be sort of increased access there as well. Um, and so um, have made a, a difficult decision, but an exciting one um, to really have this be the focus of my work going forward. Are your primary care patients still your patients or did they transition? So so my primary care patients have now transitioned for their primary care right. to other PCPs, okay. uh, but I can continue to see them. Um, I can continue to see the patients you know, for whom they may have ongoing um, concerns around eating disorders um, in the specialty clinic. This has been great. Really admire your work. And again, I just want to plug again. I, what I love about Diana is so many things, but that you really are an awesome collaborator. And in our field, you have said, this is one of the things that drew you to this part of the field. I would wholeheartedly agree. And I think really in order to see the shifts we want to see and to help support our patients in the way they need and are deserving of support, it's really that bigger collaboration. Say the same about you and really about the whole collaborative. Um, you know, it's it's that chance to be able to just think through what are what I believe that um everyone really should have a chance at recovery, that um all patients are are deserving care and deserving to feel better and deserve, you know, a caring approach. And so I think, to, again, to just work with other professionals who have that connection is, is just so valuable. Um, thank you so much, Robin, for having me on. This has been really lovely to connect. And thank you again. It's a privilege to work with you. Oh, thank you. And so thank you to our listeners. We are very lucky and we'll have Diana back. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kivit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com or check out the NPRD.com.